0: Sisterhood, welcome back to The Pink Mug. We are so excited to share this very special episode with you today, recorded during our annual Design for Life Women's Conference. Our very own Pastor Debbie Lindell shares a very powerful and grace-filled message on how each and every girl is intricately designed by God. Girls of every age and every stage of life will gain a greater understanding of who we are in Christ and the love that the Lord has for His daughters. It is our desire that you know how valuable you are to your Heavenly Father and that through this episode, He shows you that you were intentionally created inside and out. So grab your Bible and notebook, grab your friends and a coffee, and enjoy. This very special episode of the Pink Mug. I'm just going to believe that the next little bit here that God is going to open your heart to the truth of His Word. Um, You know, when I I shared just a tiny bit about this last night, or uh, yes, last night. Is that last Thursday? Yesterday? Yeah. It's crazy what no sleep does, right? What day is it? Just a little bit about the conference theme and just how, you know, a year and a half before conference, we haven't even done the conference a year before. And we're thinking about the theme for next that next year. And I was praying about it and felt the, the words divine image come to my heart and my spirit. And I always, I talked to the team. I I pray about it and um, just be like, Lord, is that exactly what you want? Is that what you're wanting? And I felt like you really confirmed that. And the one thing I really loved about it is that it took us back. It is taking us back to the roots, to the, to the beginning of what conference was all about. And 17 years ago, when God whispered to me and said, I want you to gather girls together, girls of all ages. Don't you love that? Grandmas and nine, 10-year-olds in the same room, loving Jesus, worshiping Jesus. You know, I so believe that's what it's about. We're meant to be together side by side, all colors, all ages, all histories, all with our unique gifts and talents and just anagram, You know? It's what makes sisterhood so beautiful and so strong. But I heard God whisper, tell every single girl that she is beautifully and magnificently designed for life, that God created her on purpose, on purpose and for a purpose. You are not an accident. You, you did not come into the world. Just, you were just not a random creation that just so, just so happened to be birthed at a certain time on a certain day because two people got together and were intimate and then there you were. It's a bigger deal than that. And so that's what I wanna talk to you about. I wanna go back to our roots because I think when we get this embedded into our souls, girls, we can live out more confidently the purpose that God has put inside of us, his plan and purpose for our lives. When we don't understand this, we can um, go from, from insecurity. We have highs and lows because our confidence doesn't come from our understanding of God's word. It comes from feeling good. And when it just comes from feeling good, it's wavers. I am a living example of that. I struggled with understanding that God intentionally designed me the way he wanted me to be. So I questioned it up until my thirties. And I was like, honestly, I was, I was a leader in the church. John and I were pastoring James River and the church was thriving and I was leading out of insecurity and it was a battle. For me to walk into a room filled with women was a battle for me. And the reason primarily was I didn't understand the truth about how God viewed me. And once that, honestly, that truth became embedded in my spirit and I chose to believe it, and that seriously... It's twofold. It's hearing the truth, and it's embracing the truth. So tonight, it's my prayer. And sometimes we have to be reminded, right? We can get out of the practice of believing. (laughs) And tonight, I want to put us all back in to the practice of believing what God says about us and walking it out and living it daily. Mom's This will change the way you parent your daughters and your sons. Girls that are married, it will change the way you view intimacy. It will affect how you do life. Single girls, it will will change the way you view, honestly, marriage. You'll look at it differently. You'll value your, your worth at a higher level. So just whoever comes along isn't a possibility. You'll know, nope, he he doesn't even come close because I know who I was created to be. God knew you. He formed you. He planned you. If you look at Ephesians, we're going to jump right in. You got your notebooks out, I hope, because I do believe you're going to want to write things down. If not for you, maybe for a friend, maybe for your daughter, maybe for your mom, somebody in your world that needs to hear how awesome they are. Ephesians 1.4 says, before the foundations of the earth were laid, he, God, had you in his mind. That just is... Mind-blowing to me. He knew you by name, every one of us. He knew when the date of our birth would be. Not only did he know you before you were born, he planned you. He planned for your birth at the time and day of it. It's like, how cool is that? Before I shaped you in the womb, Jeremiah 1 5 in the message. I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans in mind for you. Phew. That's powerful. The enemy of our souls is constantly after that truth in our hearts and minds. He's constantly fighting to to create a different scenario in us, to to, honestly, to rob us of our identity. In the book of Exodus, there's a story about a man, and you probably know his name. His name is Moses. You know that guy? Moses. He was born, it's in Exodus 1, 2, 3, and 4, where I'm gonna be talking, this story comes from. He was born an Israelite. The Israelites, at the time of his birth, were in captivity under Egyptian rule, under a very cruel Pharaoh, and they were slaves. And Moses was born during a time when Pharaoh said, I want every infant baby boy to be killed at the time of his birth. And I love this part of the story. The two midwives that were there for Moses' birth, they loved and honored God. So they rescued Moses. Ooh, there's a message there, right there. They valued life. So they rescued Moses, they allowed him to live, and then his mother, she was one creative girl, she made a basket for him put this tiny baby in the basket and put him in the river and prayed. You know, you think you have problems with your children, you know? <laughs> this story will give you hope. God can give you creative ideas in how to help your child. Moses' mother's name was Jochebed. I just love that name. She's a cool girl. So she's praying over this little basket and the baby in it that's floating down the river And guess who finds the baby? Pharaoh's daughter. That's amazing. Prayer does work. Pharaoh's daughter finds this baby and adopts the baby into Pharaoh's family. Could get any crazier than that? It's going to. So they're like, we need a nurse for this baby let's go find a nurse. You know who they go get? Jochebed. How cool is that? So their Jochebed is nursing baby Moses and probably singing um, worship songs over him, talking about Jehovah God. I just can imagine this. How cool is that? So Moses is raised up in Pharaoh, the courts of Pharaoh, being nursed and cared for by his mother. He grows up he learns that his people are being abused and and they're enslaved and they're they're being treated very cruelly. And one day, he sees one of his brothers, his Israelite brothers, being abused and beaten. And he goes to save him. And in doing so, he kills the Egyptian, Egyptian slave boss. And then Pharaoh says, okay, I'm gonna get you, Moses. He says, I'm gonna kill you for doing that. Do you ever think the Bible's boring? So not boring. So Moses flees to the land of Midian, runs to the land of Midian, gets there and finds a girlfriend. Perfect marries her and starts working for her father-in-law. It's a great story. you got to read it. I mean, I'm paraphrasing it, but it's really cool. So then he's there in the land of Midian, and he's a shepherd herder for his father-in-law Jethro for 40 years. You're like, Debbie, what does this have to do with a girl's identity? (laughs) Just keep talking with me. We'll get there, Okay thank you. So then in Exodus three, if you go there, you could go there with me because this is cool. Moses is out tending the animals and he's out in the desert or wherever he is, the wilderness, somewhere. And he's out there in the middle of nowhere. And here's the deal. You don't know this, but he's having an identity crisis And he's all of a sudden, he sees this bush burning just out in the middle of nowhere. And he's watching it. It's on fire, burning. And he's like, that is the weirdest thing. And he goes closer to it. And he's like, it's burning, but it's not burning. It's on fire, but the bush isn't burning. So he's like curious. He goes closer. And out of it, God starts speaking to him. In fact, he says, don't come any closer. And then he says in verse four, Moses, Moses, I love that. God's like, I know you, buddy. I see you. And I know what your destiny is. And I am here to show you. And if you read on God says in verse nine, look, the cry of the people of Israel have reached me and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I'm sending you back to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Here's where it gets good. But Moses protested. That always blows my mind. When God reveals himself in this like crazy wild way, and then the person hearing from God, God's voice out of a bush, protests. Moses protests to God. Who am I? Wow. Say that with me. Who am I? You know what that tells us? Those 40 years of wandering, he'd forget, forgotten all the stories his mother whispered to him. He'd forgotten the truth about who Jehovah God was, and that he'd created him for a purpose, on purpose. But God knew where he was, and he knows where you are. He knows you're at Design for Life conference, and he knows if you're questioning your purpose tonight. Moses' response is a question because he didn't understand who he was. Satan hates humanity. Satan hates when we understand our identity, and he had tried to distort Moses' purpose like he does for all of us as well. And I wanna take you tonight, we're gonna go back to Moses in a little bit, but before we do, I wanna take you to Genesis chapter one. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there, and we're gonna see some really cool things tonight. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Do you know who wrote this? Moses. Just a cool little fact, okay? It's all gonna connect in a minute. Mo- or Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. Woo! Nothing, empty, formless, and just like opening night, it gets really cool from there. Then God started speaking, and we're not going to read through it, but I'm going to paraphrase it. Day one, he called out, let there be light. Boom, there was light. How cool is that? Think about that for a minute. Darkness, empty, void. God says, let there be light. And flash of light, it's amazing. Day two, let the water separate from the heavens and from the water on the earth. Whatever that means, it happens. (laughs) Must've been super cool and he's like, I could just imagine him going, that is the coolest. What I just did is so cool. (laughs) Day three, let the water flow together in one place. (laughs) Create dry ground and let the land produce every sort of seed-bearing plant. Whoosh, whoosh, did you see it? Am I helping you visualize it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. We we read that. And we go, huh? Can you imagine being there and seeing that happen? All the plants, like just one hundred thousand species of trees wow. in an instant. Wow. Four. I love this part. 400,000 different kinds of flowers. Ooh, yay. He loved girls. How many of you girls love flowers? Wow, it's pretty uniform. Yeah. Yes, we'll have to remember that for next year. I have ideas. We'll talk. Okay. 400,000. Types of flowers. Day four. Day four. Let lights appear in the sky. The sun, the moon, and the stars. The stars. Just like, oh, stars. Do you know how many stars? Two trillion galaxies. That's an estimate. That's as far as they think they can see. Those scientists that are super smart with their big, what do you call those things? Telescopes. (laughs) Yes. Every galaxy, does anybody know how many stars are in one galaxy? Give it a guess. Twelve. Twelve. (laughs) Twelve. Twelve. Close, just close. Anybody want to guess another guess? That was a really good guess. Really good guess. What? A million. A billion. A billion. You're closer. You're closer. Okay, I gotta go back to my notes to get it right. There are 100 million stars in every galaxy. Every two trillion galaxies, they estimate it's more than every grain of sand on every beach combined. And God said, let there be light, let there be a sun, let there be a moon, and let there be stars. Woo! I don't know if anybody can multiply two trillion times 100 million. That would be a really big number. (laughs) Big number. Okay. So that was day four. Day five. Is this fun or what? Can you visualize it? Sort of. Okay. Day five, let the waters swarm with fish. How many fisherwomen? Yeah. You put the worm on and everything. Oh, no. okay. I used to, I used to do it. Dad, where is he in here? My sweet dad, he must be watching in the office. I love you, Dad. Okay. He would take me fishing, and he would put the worm on for me. <laughs> Let the water swarm with fish and other life. Okay. Get this. Okay. Are you writing all this down? Because this is so cool. 91%. This is as of 2021. That is this year. Okay. Just in case you are a little confused or haven't had sleep. Okay. 91% of ocean life is still unclassified. That's crazy. I don't know how they know that. (laughs) But I read it on Google. (laughs) So it must be true. Just kidding. In two places. Okay. Here's another one. Debbie's statistics, okay. 80% they estimate of the ocean is unmapped. Is that crazy? Yes. Day six. Are you ready? Do you remember? No. Let the earth produce every sort of animal. Every sort of animal. I looked up ugliest animals. I decided not to show you them. (laughs) Yeah. It would not fit with our design for life theme, divine age. (laughs) Each producing offspring. And so God made all sorts of animals and Toy Poodle was one of them. Yeah. So you got, Oh, is that not amazing? Our God is so big. He's so creative. And then, do you know what it says next? And then. And then, Genesis 126, you gotta write this down. And then God said. And this time he says something a little bit different. They're gonna put it on the screen. God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. To me, I'm telling you, when I think about all the days of creation building up to this moment, I'm like, I can just see God just getting giddy, like with excitement. He knows where he's going. And he's like, okay, Father and Son, come on over here. I'm sorry, Son and Holy Spirit, come over here. You're tracking with me. Okay, Son and Holy Spirit, come on over here. Guess what we're gonna do next? We're gonna make humans, and we're gonna do it together. We're gonna collaborate on this one. I can't imagine how... You know, I think about when I, I love collaboration, I love gathering team together. One of my favorite things, I have a lot of favorite things. So. One of my favorite things is oh, when we sit at the table and we're thinking of ideas for all the designs for the boutique, it's just so fun. Or we're looking at the brochure and we're like, okay, we could put this there, we could use that font and that color. And Or when we're doing the screens and we're Raquel and I will will sit in here and we'll go, Oh, I love this screen. I forgot about it. Is that not the coolest? Aren't they beautiful? You know, collaboration is so fun. You get your minds together and you think of ideas. Maybe for Thanksgiving dinner. I was talking to Julia Veach at the table, and we were talking about Thanksgiving dinner. And I was like, I don't think I want to talk about this anymore. Her sister-in-law, I said her sister-in-law, is a food... Food, her sister is a food blogger with 330,000 followers. And when they do Thanksgiving dinner, they do rack of lamb. Rack of lamb. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> rack of lamb and rib something roast with ribs on it. No casseroles. I'm like, who doesn't have a casserole on Thanksgiving? With French's onion stuff on top? Like, Julia, you haven't had Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. Where was I? Let's see. Where was I? Um, Collaboration. They don't even—they don't even buy their bread; they make it from scratch. I said, "Well, I make Jello." So. <laughs> yes, yes, we all said Missouri-style Thanksgiving. Yeah. I do do stuffing from scratch, just so you know. Okay, great. So collaboration. So he got. He got the Holy Spirit and the Son together, and who knows, maybe some angels and celestial beings were around and they were like, let's make man, let's make humans. And then we're going to read it out of Genesis 2-7, the account, and the Lord God formed Man, from the dust of the ground, he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and the man became a living person. Whoa, whoa, the culmination of creation. And right at that moment, do you know who was on his mind? You, you. (laughs) It's amazing to me. We read that and we're like, I'm serious. We need to read that differently. Because it's so amazing. I want you to think about this for a minute. Here's what biologists tell us an average human being is made of. Okay, you ready? There it is. Speaking of Thanksgiving dinner, no just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Oh um, okay. <laughs> I think I drank way too much Coke and coffee before this. Okay, so human beings, this is serious, okay? 58 pounds of oxygen, 50 quarts of water, two ounces of salt, three pounds of calcium, 24 pounds of carbon, a dash of chlorine, a dash of phosphorus, fat, a dash of fat. I like that part. Two or three dashes maybe. A dash of iron sulfur and glycerin. Okay. So what if I said I'm going to give you a box with all the ingredients. I want you to go home, mix this up and make a human. I'm like Debbie, that that's not possible. You're right. It's not. The human body, the brain, our emotions are so complex. Scientists cannot begin to uncover and discover all the intricacies of the human body. They try, they try to understand it all, but they only can touch on a fraction of the amazement of our creation. If you take one inch, look down at your hand real quick one inch, look down, look down. Just teasing you. (laughs) Okay. Look down at your hand. Take one square inch. Okay? Listen to this. There are three million cells in that one inch, one yard of blood vessels, four yards of nerves. Four yards. 100 sweat glands. And I believe that right now. I believe that. (laughs) 15 oil glands. You are magnificently designed this bottom line. Amen. So I want to give you, with your pen and paper, or pen and paper, I want to give you four thoughts regarding this that I want you to remember. Number one, you were made in God's image. Write it down. Memorize that line, you were made in God's image. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. The word image, actually Lisa touched on this last night, is Imago Dei, Imago Dei. It means, it's Latin, and it means you weren't anything like any other creature that God made. That's Debbie's paraphrase. Your creation came with a soul and a spirit You could say it this way. God breathed his breath into you and etched eternity into your DNA. His DNA is your DNA. It's amazing. You were made to carry with you his very nature, to reflect him in every way, every day. Amazing. Do you know something that's crazy? I write my T's. I'm a actually I'm a very sloppy handwriter, so sorry, dad, when I tell you this right now. But in my um handwriting, my T's, my L's and my S's as well look identical to my dad's handwriting. He never sat there and taught me how to do it. I'm all I seriously, when I do it, I'm like, that looks just like my dad's tea. You know, I've got his DNA in me. It's like that. You've got Father God's DNA in you. His likeness the word of God says in Genesis 5:1 translated, you were fashioned and designed to reflect his very image. In Bible times, Lisa touched on this as well. A king of a country because it was very hard to travel. There wasn't a television or social media where they could speak out what they wanted the, the citizens to know and understand. So they would craft images of themselves and they would put them all over the country. And that image would represent the king of that nation. That's what you are on earth to God. You're a representation of who he is to the world. It means that you were placed in his kingdom to represent his glory. Whoa, what an assignment. Number two, your life was intentionally designed. Sounds real repetitive. It's because I need you to remember it. Your life was intentionally designed. He formed you every single tiny cell. Listen to Psalms 139. Some of you know this. If you don't know it, you should put it on your mirror. You should put it in your car when you're driving so you can memorize it because it's beautiful. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. This is a psalmist speaking in Psalms. "'Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. "'You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. "'You saw me before I was born.'" The word formed is used in reference to a potter with a ball of clay, and he's just like the, honestly, the opener. If you all saw the opener Thursday night, wasn't it beautiful? And the sculptor was a representation of how God, he's intricately designed you. He formed you. He molded you. He shaped you. You are intentionally created to be who you are. Inside and out. Inside, given intellectual ability, given a mind to make decisions, to connect with God and to others. Given emotion to respond with emotion to others, with love. That's God's heart for us. And given a free will to make decisions and choose. And then outside, which I believe the inside and the outside are equally important. Otherwise, he'd have us floating around invisible, just doing whatever. He wanted us to have a body that would house his presence and reflect him. An incredible, intricate body capable of doing things that no other creature can. With all the purposefulness, the majesty, the grandness of God's design of mankind and his intent for you, and I to reflect him and reveal him in every way. So it is no surprise when you hear all of that, that Satan is out to destroy you. He's out to destroy your understanding of who you are. He hates that God made mankind to represent who he is. He wants to confuse and destroy your identity. And boy, do we see that in society right now? It's rampant. He's constantly at work through temptation and sinful decisions, through mental illness, through abortion and suicide and through gender confusion. He's out to kill you. He's out to destroy your plan and purpose. Young girls in here, you need to camp out on God's word. It is the truth. It tells you the way. It tells you who you are. I'm going to talk about gender confusion for a minute. This is really on my heart right now. I'm very burdened for it. For the last nine months, I've had the privilege of working with our student ministry and being surrounded with 12 through 18-year-olds, and I have loved every minute of it, but my heart is breaking for what they're experiencing and what they're, the battles they're in for the truth of who they are. Men and boys who don't know they are men and boys think they're women. Women who don't know they're women, girls who don't know they're girls. They think they're men. Or one of the 57 other gender identity lies being promoted and distorted in society Look again at what God's intended creation to be, Genesis 128. Heavenly Father, I just pause right now and I ask God that you would use your word, God, to encourage, to open eyes, and to set free in Jesus' name. So God created human beings, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply, Genesis 1.28. Genesis 5.1 and 2, when God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. He created them male and female and he blessed them and he called them human. Hello. That's what I would say, hello, people. What if humanity all of humanity decided to go away from God's two-gender plan, male and female. What happens? Humanity dies. What's Satan's goal? Humanity dies. What's Satan's Satan's goal for you? You die. That's his goal. Spiritually, you die. When you were born, it was obvious to all those in the room that you were a girl, you were a female. You were the female counterpart to male. No question, not only did your body's design provide visible proof, but as well every single one of your cells confirmed that your DNA was female. Every one of your cells, every single one of your cells had a 2X chromosome. The biological differences between the sexes have long been recognized as the biochemical at the biochemical and cellular levels. Even secular scientists, scientific studies confirm this as fact. God made you female. Amen. He created you perfectly and intentionally, and you are not an accident or a just-so-happened design. And when you were born, he shouted, it's a girl, (laughs) and she's awesome. Believe that. I want to talk to you just a moment about just that verse, going back to Psalms 139, because so often we tear down the image that God created in us. And you know what that causes? In the body of Christ in the faith-filled sisterhood that God's called us to be and represent to the world, which is so awesome, it causes comparison. It causes disunity. It causes insecurity. It's very hard to be unified when we're comparing ourselves with one another and thinking, she's better than me or I'm better than her, vice versa. Here's the deal. When you look in the mirror, you should be thanking God for who he made you. You should be like, wow, God. I mean, when you think through the creation and you think how excited God must have been, he was that excited for you. Wow, God, thank you. Thank you for making me so beautiful to represent you to the world. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. Every single part, your nose, your thighs, your boobs, every single part. Every single. I I know that's funny, but seriously, it's a serious thing to me. When I when you walk into a room of sisters, I don't want you thinking about I'm not good enough. I want you to think about Who does God want to use me to touch and minister to? That's what I want you to think about because that takes us to a whole nother level in how we can reach the world for Jesus. Point number three, your life reveals God's creative nature. I love this point. As a child is like their parents' DNA, you are like your father, God. Your ability to create is a part of your design Creativity is one of the most incredible abilities that God instilled in every human creature or creation. God, the creator of the universe, stamped his creative ability on you. Studies, A study found in the book Breakpoint and Beyond, written in 1993, was done of 1,600 children at the age of five, 10, and 15 years. At five years old, 98% of those children at five years old were determined to be creative geniuses. That's crazy. They could solve complex problems and reason and design things, you remember? At the age of 10, 30% were deemed or determined to be creative geniuses. At the age of 15 years, 10%. Then they studied 280,000 adults and tested them, and 2%. The conclusion of this study was that non-creative behavior is learned. In other words, your unique God-designed creativity decreases as you learn to accept others' opinions, evaluations, and the lies of Satan. It's just true. Can you imagine if all of us were living confidently in our calling and in our giftings and being like, okay, God, use me. And I'm not talking about, and they weren't either, about, like, oh, master artist, master painter, um, a, a writer, uh, architectural designer. They're talking about every human being having the creativity of God instilled in their person. Creativity is much, much more than we think of it. You have have creative expression in you, like the girl who thinks of a creative way to touch her neighbor's life. That's creativity. Like the lawyer who needs to win the case, and she uses her God-given creativity to know how to present the case. To the teacher who uses her creative ideas in how to teach a discouraged child. The girl in school who needs to be creative in how to lead her peer group to Jesus. I remember years ago, Savannah was, she was probably four and five, and she had night terrors. Maybe some of you have had a child that's experienced that. It's it's horrific. She would pound her head against the wall at night and, and cry and scream, Jesus doesn't love me. Jesus doesn't love me. And I was, I was just like, God, you got to help me. I don't know what to do. You know, Satan is after our children. We better be prayed up and in the word so that the Holy Spirit can show us what to do. And so I, I called out to God and he gave me a song for her. And it went like this, you are my sunshine, very simple. You are my sunshine, my little girl. God made you special just for my world. Your life is filled with his wonder. I'm so thankful he gave you to me. And I would sing it over her every single night and it would calm her down. That's God-given creativity that he instilled in me. Did that song go anywhere? No. This is me, me and Jesus and Savannah. God designs you to use your creativity to bring His creative presence into every situation. Number four, and the worship team can come. You find your purpose. You find your purpose in one place. Your identity and your purpose comes from knowing God and believing in what he says. Ephesians 2:10 You know we we all know what happened or maybe you don't. Adam and Eve were the first creation and god had intended for this relationship with him to be pure and beautiful and wonderful and without insecurity or comparison or any of that and he put them in this beautiful place to just walk and talk with him and then he gave a, gave them authority over all that he had created. But he said, then there's this one thing I don't want you to do. I put a tree in the middle of the garden. Do you all remember that? And Satan, as he is doing still now, came to confuse, destroy, and deceive Eve's identity. and sin came into the world and it marred God's creation. The Bible says, for all of us have sinned. It wasn't just Eve. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, of God's intentional design to reveal His glory to the world. Ephesians 2.10 speaks of this. It says, it goes back to God's intent for us. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew. He created us anew. So sin came in. It's like, to me, I picture this gorgeous painting that some master artist created and somehow it's become forgotten and it's down in some cellar somewhere full of filth and dirt. And the artist finds it. He's like, oh my goodness, I painted that. What happened? He picks it up. He takes it very carefully to a safe place where he can set it down, and then he gently cleans off all the dust and the debris. That's what this verse is talking about. God's masterpiece, he created us anew. How? Through Christ Jesus, through the gift of his son coming to earth for us to make a way back to our intended design. So we can do what? The good things he planned for us. So we can live out our purpose, revealing his glory through our creativity, through his calling on our life. Each one of you, God has a plan and purpose for. You know, that guy, Moses, going to close with this. We talked about earlier. Remember how he said, who am I? Remember that? God said, I want you to go. I have a plan for you. I want to use you. And he said, who am I? You know what God did? God didn't answer his question. He said, I will be with you. I will be with you. That is your sign. That is the solution to all your identity issues. Having God's presence in you, having God's presence around you, and understanding that He is all you need. You know, girls, there's some of you in here and you've been so confused by what you've been told. So confused by what you're hearing. So confused by what you see on media. In the media. All you need is Jesus. It's all you need. He will solve the questions in your mind and heart. Then God added this, if you read on in Exodus, he said, Moses, I am who I am. I love that. I am all you need for whatever question you have, for God's calling on your life, for your concerns about, what if I make the decision to go back to make a a change in my life to make a decision to follow Jesus. What's going to happen? I am who I am. I am God. I'm your creator. I will help you. I will go before you. I will be with you. I want you to bow your heads with me as we close. Romans 12, 1. And as your heads are bowed, I'm just going to read this to you because this is, this is so so cool and so connected the writer says i plead with you to give your bodies to god because of all he's done for you let them be a living holy sacrifice align them with my word align your body your being who i created you to be with my word a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that will be acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. And get this, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is his good and pleasing and perfect will. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on The Pink Mug. Be sure to tune in right here on the second Tuesday of each month for a brand new episode. We would love for you to like and share today's show with your friends and connect with us on social media. Follow Design Sisterhood on Facebook and Instagram to learn more about who we are as a sisterhood and how you can be a part